the hard shoulder on News Talk with Nissan Subscribe and Drive. No deposit, no compromise, no fuss. Find out more at Nissan.ie. Now, as always on a Tuesday, we round off the show by going on the couch. And today it's a great pleasure to welcome uh, Mr. Fardod O'Kelly, consultant, paediatric and adolescent urologist at the Beacon Hospital. So we're going to cover topics such as UTIs, whatever they are, urinary tract uh, infections, I think, bedwetting in children and adolescent and undescended testes. Quite an assortment. First of all, let's start with bedwetting, Fardot. Welcome to the programme. How prevalent is it? Yeah, bedwetting is actually a lot more prevalent than you think it is. I mean, it, it probably... Uh, estimated to affect about 7 million children in the U.S. And in, in the U.K., about 20% of children first class. I guess as a general rule of thumb, we kind of say, you know, about 10% of 5-year-olds, 5% of 10-year-olds, and about even 1% to 2% of 15 to 16-year-olds. Right. And, and, and t- tell us about the age cohort, because, you know, you start off with babies, with nappies and so on. Of uh, uh, what age is it, is it abnormal to wet the bed? The devil's in the detail with this, but but really, I mean, you need to, or well, really, we as pediatric urologists need to decide whether this is, whether this is primary or secondary, um, uh, what we call enuresis or bedwetting, and whether this is just a single symptom if it's primary or if it's actually associated with other things, and and the truth is that all kids are different, and you know, a lot of this is down to to a maturational delay in the development of bladder control, and so you know, you're going to be different to me to the next door neighbour. Um, as a rule of thumb, generally, if, if kids haven't achieved control by about five years of age, um, then the guidelines would suggest that they should be, they should be referred to a specialist. Okay. And, and there are two types of, of, what's the technical term for it? Oh, enuresis, yeah. Okay, it's, there are two types, yeah. are there? It, it, well, two, two main types, yeah. I mean, broadly speaking, there, there's primary, where you, where you just never kind of develop the control in the first place, and then there's secondary, where you had developed uh, control for a period of at least six months and then went back and started wetting again. Uh, and they're actually, they're, they're, they're different things because one suggests that the maturation has already taken place of the, of the spinal cord and the bladder and the brain. The other suggests that something else has happened in the meantime. And we have to really try and figure out what that is. And there's a load of reasons as to why that might happen. So, I mean, it could be, um, for example, you could have uh, behavioral issues. It could be that uh, you, the kids might have had a significant life event, such as, you know, uh, maybe a parental divorce or, you know, uh, maybe they're, you know, in my case, going over the Atlantic twice or in the space of three years and, uh, and having a big move. Um, you know, in, 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 some, in some cases, you know, it, it's quite disturbing as well that the, the, there can be a manifestation of sexual abuse as well. Uh, and then there are other organic causes like urinary tract infections, diabetes, obstructive sleep apnea, maybe there's a neurological problem with the bladder. Um, so it, you really just you have to tease all that out when you're trying to, trying to figure out what the underlying issue is. Okay, we've gone through the causes there. I mean, so is it, is it a malfunction of the bladder, the kidney or the brain? Uh, it's, it's actually just a, uh, what you're really, uh, no one really has a, a complete understanding as to what is going on. And when we don't have a complete understanding, we say it's complex and we say it's multifactorial. 
uh, we know there's a strong genetic underpinning of this. So we know that if you have one parent affected, um, then your, your chance of developing is about 43%. We know if both parents are affected, it's about 77%. We know that it's, it's higher in identical twins than fraternal twins. Uh, and we've even found a couple of chromosomes for it as well. Um, but it, it's really the interplay of all three, to be honest. Um, and, and when you're trying to actually, when you're trying to uh, treat this, then you have to take all three into account as well. So, so for a genetic factor, the parents, when they were kids, were bedwetters, are likely to pass it on to the next generation. Is that your point? That's correct. Yeah, that's, 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 that's exactly it. Um, so it's, it's not that it's definitely going to happen, but you, it's just there's a higher likelihood of it happening, especially if both parents were a little bit, uh, got, got control of their bladder a little bit later on. Okay. Now, I, I personally, because I went to boarding school at the age of eight, and in the first year there, I'd had real problems with bedwetting, and it was it was mortifying, and it was very very difficult, and uh, the 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 matronol wasn't that tolerant of it, and I'm convinced it was stress related that I was so homesick and traumatized and so on. Uh, it, it, like, would that be the preponderant issue? Some trigger of stress? Can I mean? Uh, so I'm I'm gonna. Throw it back to you as a personal question. Had you had you been had you had issues before you went to boarding school? Yes, yes, I had. Okay, uh, I mean, chances are that you know if you had never gotten control, then it's just it's just that you're a little bit later in maturing. I mean, if we think about it, most adults don't go around uh, with issues with with wetting wetting the bed at night. I mean, so eventually it does kick in, and and that you will develop that kind of connection that you, that, that you need. But it just takes some people a little bit longer than others. But you're dead right. I mean, stress can certainly affect it. I mean, and, and, and you're spot on by, by, by what you're saying. It does have a negative impact on self-esteem. And, and if you want to look at quality of life, I mean, it, it really affects your health-related quality of life as well. Now, is the problem that you're in such a deep sleep, you don't wake yourself up to go to the toilet? <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And you know what? We, we often hear that from parents as well. And this is hard to explain because if you look at it, both bladder distension, uh, which is just filling of the bladder, and contractions of the bladder, they're pretty robust arousal stimuli. So it's, it's, hard, it's hard to imagine why a child won't wake up to the sensation of a contracting bladder in the middle of the night. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it, 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 there is a, an association with it. And again, there's not a huge amount you can do with that sort of thing except for have patience and remember part of this part of the treatment with this is really is really patient or child centered as well they have to be willing and to take a little bit of uh, responsibility and understand what's going on as well so what is the treatment uh, good question so i mean it, it depends on uh, what you're treating so if we take just a, a i mean we could talk for ages about this but if you if we take just a standard a uh, kid who's wetting the bed at night and has no other symptoms during the day or anything, uh, and no underlying other underlying problems, then um, then the treatment is going to be a mixture of behavioural therapy and and medication. All right, we're, you're, you're uh, listening to News Talk. We're talking to Dr. Uh, Fardad O'Kelly uh, in relation to uh, problems of 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 the bladder and bedwetting. Let's go on to undescended testicles. What's the yeah. story there? This again is is very common. Essentially, an undescended testicle is a testicle that's failed to descend to the to the scrotum. Um, and you know what's what's strange is the testes don't develop in the scrotum; they actually develop in the abdomen. Um, and they they need to go through two phases of descent: uh, one around weeks eight to fourteen of pregnancy or gestation, and the other 
around weeks 28 to 35. So in the first, in the first set, the, the, the testes move down the back of the abdomen, and the second phase they need to move from the inside of the abdomen to the outside. Uh, it affects about 3% of, of full-term boys, um, and even then, by about three months, about two-thirds of them, the testes will continue to, to uh, drop down and, and, and end up in the scrotum. If it doesn't, then, it, and it's in an extra scrotal position, it's essentially an undescended testis. Um, there are a few reasons as to why it, it, it can happen. We know in, about, in, in premature kids, which makes sense, uh, about 30% of those, uh, those kids are affected. Um, and, you know, if it's not there, um, then you, you, have to go, you have to try and go look for it. So what do you do? Do you operate? You may have to, all right, yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess there's, there's, um, there, there's been a lot of reasons as to, why, uh, as to what the, the etiology of the cause is. But essentially, you know, you need a good history of uh, physical exam, uh, and more so the physical exam, uh, at, at when, when the child is just born. And if there is some concern by, well, really any time, but especially by three months that you can't feel both testes in the scrotum, then that child needs a referral to, to essentially a pediatric urologist who can, um, who can then further examine them. I mean, it, it's amazing. Sometimes, sometimes I've seen patients in the clinic where um, no one's been able to feel them. And, and I guess maybe because you're just so used to doing it that, that you're able to elicit it. Or we have a little techniques as well we can, we can um, use. But if you can't feel it, um, then it's either not there or it's actually in the abdomen. If you can feel it, but it's not in the scrotum and it's not coming down, then, then both of those scenarios uh, requires an operation. And that's a little time sensitive as well. What, what time would you need to get it done by? One year's of age or what? So, yeah, no, no, it's a, it, it's a good question. Actually, you're, 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 pretty, you're, you're pretty close to the mark there. Uh, I mean, historically, it used to be around, around uh, 12, 13, and then it moved down to 7 or 8, then 3 to 4. And now the latest guidelines okay. are that it should be done between 12 to 18 months of age. And even some, some places, like, like in the UK, are suggesting it should be done by, by 12 months at the latest. Okay. Um, but far, it's, far, it's, far out, we're, we're, yeah. we're out of time. But just tell mm-hmm. me, what is a urinary tract infection? How serious is, is it for children? And what do you need to do? So a urinary tract infection is the presence of a microorganism within the urine. Um, and, that, and that one that is associated with a positive test and symptoms. Um, so it's no use having, for example, bugs in the urine with, with that, that show uh, that may not be positive on a specific test or, or where the kid has no symptoms. It, the main, uh, you know, this can either be localized to the bladder or it can ascend and go up into the kidneys. And if it goes into the kidneys, it can theoretically cause scarring of those kidneys as well. So it's, especially if they're associated with fevers. So and by a fever, I mean, it's certainly over 38, anyway, probably over 38.5 degrees. Um, it, but there's a, I mean, that, that's worth another entire talk on this because there are so many, there are so many pitfalls when you're, when you're talking about urinary tract infection. All right, well, we'll, 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 we'll just uh, headline that. Uh, that concludes our On the Couch session for this week. You've, you learned what a consultant pediatric and adolescent urologist does and what Fardod O'Kelly does in the Beacon Hospital. My thanks for joining us on the Hard Shoulder, Fardod, and we wish you well into the future. Many thanks indeed.